This is a certified Big Soy Naturals classic. I have a problem. I look like Jared Padalecki. I got them Supernaturals. So my value right now is zero. If you think about it, AI is actually the fastest path to communism. Enforced farming is really not a vibe. Hello, pay pigs. Ha! Beat you to it. Beat you to it. <laughs> um, hello, pay pigs. Hello, prayer warriors. Hello, Kendall. Um, Hi. You know, Black History Month and Black History Extension Month might be over, but that doesn't give you the right to speak before me. I understand. You know, mm -hmm. I'm sitting and I'm listening and I'm learning as always. Um, hello, welcome, pay pigs and prayer warriors. Um, Cerise was just telling me an interesting pitch that they had um, since live theater is back. Uh, um, yeah, COVID's over. <laughs> um, it's not really a pitch. I don't. I don't know where this idea came into my head from, and it's something that I would not like to see in the world. But like. What if Rent, the musical, instead of it being about a bunch of, I don't know, it's like wealthy, like people LARPing as poor people um, in New York, instead of them um, having HIV and AIDS, what if they all had imposter syndrome and that was what the musical was about? See, I think that's a really good idea. I do think some of them have already kind of coded to be, like, have imposter syndrome. Like, Mark, the scarf-wearing guy who's, like, the, I guess, the narrator for our for for our play here, uh, kind of has imposter syndrome in the sense that, like, in the stage play, at least, he gets voicemails from his parents, like, the whole time about how, like, they're, like, rich and they would be perfectly happy paying his rent if he just called them back mm -hmm. and then he's like they're phonies and like i don't want to be around that and it's almost kind of like a trust fund kid like getting imposter syndrome about being like avant-garde and poor um because they in fact are an imposter um so i think that like it like already kind of like works in our favor no but like imagine um, like the support group where they're like singing about like how they just have to like take each day at a time but instead of it being about like how you don't know what the future holds because like you might die it's like you got to take each day at a time because like your imposter syndrome is giving you a lot of anxiety yeah because it's giving you so much anxiety and it's making you panic about like oh my god what if I get like found out by the other uh writers at my New York publishing job like what will happen to me like I'm I'm going like I'm one day I'm gonna get found out you know I hate I rent so fired. much I hate rent like <laughs> I'm terrible. not I'm not a big musical oh. person I know that you are and I respect that I don't I'm a hate, person That's I don't hate all of them although hmm. I don't really go out of my way to see them but um friend of the show Ashlyn had us all mm -hmm. watch Singing in the Rain and that was that was fine that was actually great it made me yeah, um great. I think like nostalgic for a time where people in movies um had talent 
Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, what if like people today could like sing, dance and act or at least do one of those things. Um, but well. but rent is so bad. And it's terrible. As you know, I went to a performing arts high school, which is cringe. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And they loved rent. They loved it so much. My high school put it on twice in the four oh. years that I was there. And when I graduated, they because they loved it, the students petitioned to do rent again. Um, <laughs> Change that organization. Let me play Mimi one more time. Literally. And then like, um, oh, what is it that when I graduated, like our graduation song that of course the vocal and theater oh. department performed together was the song about like how much time there is from red which is i'm pretty sure a song about that's that is the song about having aids so i don't really know how it was like appropriate for like our high school graduation i don't know how it was on theme um but they were really really into it i think it it partly might have been that there's like not a ton of I'm I'm like i'm making stuff up because i don't know things about musicals but i feel like there's not a ton of like famous musicals that have people of color in the main cast and like Mm -hmm. my high school was like majority black but I just feel like we could do better and not be into rent yeah I I always find it weird when like I went to like a even though I was in DC like I went to a high school that like had like in terms of the musical theater department which was very very small uh had like a predominantly white uh <laughs> a predominantly white cast and crew um every year and they always picked like like the weirdest ones to do like they picked hairspray hmm. and they changed it to be about class what wait why yeah because there's so many plays that have like kind of only white people or that are written in like a race yeah. neutral slash like race neutral but we mean white sort of way so why the one that is about racism the one about racism yes uh it was about racism but they changed it to be about class wait so like little inez and like all those like people are meant to be like hold on they have a class day like a poor day Um, hold on (laughs) i have a question because i'm familiar Uh with hairspray i've seen the movie that has Zac mm. Efron in it and Amanda Bynes, Justice for Amanda Bynes. Yeah. And she's yes. free from yeah. her conservatorship, which is really cool. Um, yeah, anyway, um, there's a, a line where Amanda Bynes' character says, like, I'm a checkerboard chick now. Mm-hmm. And then someone else says, like, we're all about that swirl. So, like, how did that get changed Same. to be about, like, how what was the line so, changed so the there? the checkerboard thing. That that stayed the same. The uh, how the, the what's or, the checkerboard no, support people? Right. <laughs> sorry, I mean I I meant the other way around. The checkerboard chick thing was from the movie, so they didn't do it. The swirl thing they just kept in, and I think they just kind of forgot that it's like they like that it was in there at all, and they just kind of let them do it throughout like I don't know like eight weeks of rehearsals. They were just like, yeah, that's fine, keep that so in there. So in this like alt version of Hairspray, there's a public access TV show that exclusively has rich people on it, but then once a month has a poor person day. Yes, yes. 
Yes, correct. <laughs> correct. correct. I, and I, I was love how that doesn't make any sense. sense. I was like, what is this? And this was the year that I was, I, I had come back, like, because I had some friends who were still, I had graduated and I came back for like a little, like, just to see some of my friends who were like in the musical and they told me about this. They were like, Kendall, it's going to be a fucking train wreck. And I was like, I'm coming anyway. And they came in. I don't know if you remember. There's that song in it called like Black, uh, Black as the Berry. Like yeah, or Black yeah. Or the, berry. The, the blacker the berry, the sweeter the juice. So what did that get changed <laughs> to? Like the poorer the berry, the the better. I, I can't remember like all the lyrics, but I feel like they cut the blacker the berry line. And they just like kind of cut the song to be like re- literally for thirty seconds to just the part where he goes run and tell that. Who? So who's like? I just, I'm really interested in the vision. Like, mm-hmm. why, why well, do that? I mean, this, this really gets into my, my theory, which is that um, all theater teachers should be investigated um, just generally for, you know, tomfoolery for shenanigans and for more severe crimes um, because so, they all are terrible. Um in my high school, which again was majority black, but we did have white people in there and they were, I mean, I'm friends with some of them, so I won't say that they were all like this, but uh, overall um, it was either like white people who really were putting a lot of effort into like being down and like, um, <laughs> like trying really hard to be black people or white people that only hung out with other white people. Um, and in my English class, cause they loved to like incorporate the arts in all of the academic classes. We were reading, um, Raisin in the Sun. And then we were split into groups Um, Where I think we were, I guess it would only make sense if we were allowed to split ourselves into groups to reenact some scenes from the play. And that was like our final project was to like Mm -hmm. do Mm -hmm. scenes of this play together. Um, So one person decided to put together an all white group, um, which was their choice. Um, yeah. And then they rewrote Raisin in the Sun a little bit to make everyone in it be white. Okay. Um, <laughs> but it, it wasn't even like one of those like like race bent things where they're like, ooh, like what if like racism happened to the white people by black people? Like they just made everyone, <laughs> everyone in it be white. <laughs> But they didn't change any of the dialogue besides the parts that, like, dropped um, race. Yep. So when someone was like, oh, you're – like, I don't I don't really remember um, too much of how the play goes exactly, but I know that there's a, a part where the family moves to a new town and it's uh, a majority white town and they're being given a hard time because they're black and, like – so one of the characters, I think, like, says that to them, like, we don't want black people here. Um, so they just changed that to be white. But they had another white person say it to them. <laughs> and they, they had the um, 
the like daughter character who comes back from Africa um, being like, oh, I'm like really in touch with my roots now and is kind of like exercising some superiority over the other characters for like not knowing as much about Africa. They had her be like a person that went on like study abroad and came back from Europe. Um, <laughs> she was like, I'm so in touch with my French roots now. <laughs> Bonjour, yeah, oui, oui, but, madame. But like the whole play is about it is it is literally about racism um and race is like mentioned so many times in in the play i don't really know but they but they did it they did it and then they they put it on for everyone to watch um and they like chose the scenes where like the family is arguing over like respectability and then like the scene where they're like having to deal with i think like their house either gets set on fire or something at the end so it's like like also like the most racist parts of the play yeah it's just all white people being racist to other white people for being white um and it (laughs) i (laughs) i'm like 10 years away from that and it's still one of the the funniest things that i've ever seen i just like i I don't understand. It's like, imagine if you recast the color purple to be, like, all white. Like, what? Yeah. What would you even look like? <laughs> I mean, do you remember a couple of years ago when they recast, when that that high school recast uh, Rent to not be about AIDS, but diabetes? Um, That's not as funny as it being about imposter syndrome. I do think it's a little funny to be, like, like his like because you know that part in rent you probably don't but you know there's one part in rent where roger's like little uh buzzer goes off oh and she's like insulin say, break yeah it's like i gotta take my insulin now break. Oh, yeah wow. that's funny yeah i just like i i don't really know a lot about the world of plays and musicals even though i did go to this like arts high school i avoided mm-hmm. the theater kids like a plague i don't think I have any friends from high school that were in the theater department. Um, That's valid. I know know very little about what goes on, but I just feel like if you're um, in charge of a theater department of high schoolers and you don't, and, and, and your high school is all white or you don't want to talk about AIDS, there are like other plays that, have white people in them a lot and like aren't about AIDS or like doing like like for some reason all white high schools love to like just pick the plays that explicitly have um black characters in them for like real purposes like I, I remember have I told you by like this is like my Dr. Horrible origin story this is how I became Dr. Horrible I am still (laughs) this is your joker more I'm so 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 fucking upset about it still to this day Um, (laughs) (laughs) so I was a I was a ballerina and like yeah I used to be in the core um, with a professional ballet company when I was a teenager Mm -hmm. so the core is like all of the like background like supporting parts like you probably are not going to get made like a soloist um, until you're like 18 or so. Um, And you're definitely not going to be a principal until you're a bit older and like established yourself. So like 
as a teen, it was a pretty big deal that I was in the core. And I would audition for like ballet productions. And so often I would get told that I could not be um, like the role that I wanted to be because it was like a ballet about like a European person. Mm -hmm. Like I really wanted to be Aurora in the ballet of Sleeping Beauty because I think it's really pretty. Um, and like, I was able to, (laughs) um, be in a production of, uh, Coppelia because I argued that what if the doll was wooden? And so maybe that's how it's okay to, yeah, I was, I was really wood grain. So, so you're, you're wood grain. Yeah. I like, cause they, they didn't want to cast me. And I was like, but listen, like I have an explanation for how it could be okay that this German doll is black. Um, which was kind of like a degrading thing that I did to myself. But the point is, is that like the Nutcracker is like the big production that every like ballet company puts on in the winter. And there's no way that as a core ballerina, Mm -hmm. I would ever be cast in any of the main roles. Um, So when my high school was putting on the Nutcracker and it was my senior year, I was like, finally, like I get to be in a main role. And my whole like, childhood early ballet career I was like when it's my time to shine and I get to do the nutcracker it's going to be so easy for me to get a part because the nutcracker is super racist um and so there are (laughs) there are roles for uh uh, brown people and not really any black people but they they kind of don't care as much um about the racial purity there um and so I was like, when it when I am like old enough and I'm like in a ballet company and I'm like a soloist or something, like I'll get to be in one of these roles and it'll be so easy for me to get them because I'll be good enough and they can't cast white people in them. So when my high school put one on, I was like, this is it, like my my time to shine. And I wanted to be Arabian. I don't know if you've ever seen the um the yeah, nutcracker yeah. or the okay, so the ballet for Arabian is so racist um it is uh you don't need to read orientalism by edward said if you just watch that um because <laughs> that is basically what it is but it's also really pretty um it's a it's mm. a pretty dance you get to like show off how flexible you are um you get to do like a lot of really interesting things and like the costume is always really cool like in a racist way but i was like 18 or 17 and i just really wanted my solo. I wanted, I wanted it to be my time. And God, my ballet teacher, I'm still Miss Tara, Miss Tara, if you're listening to this, I do not like you. Um, she was like, this year, we're going to do something different. Like, I don't want to typecast people. Like, we'll just cast whoever is the best for these roles. And I was like, well, I would like, I would like to be typecast this one, this one time if I could, Please. You were like, I'll give you a pass. Just and this so, once. You just of course, let me do this. The best people to be Arabian were the two white people that were her favorite. Um, mm-hmm. And so they like came out in their little princess jasmine harem pants, and they did they did Arabian. And I, I had to be Chinese. And no, this is not a knock against the Chinese people, but the the Chinese dance in the Nutcracker sucks. 
it is two and a half minutes of jumping and it starts with you like backing up into your dance partner and like bowing and then you knock into them by accident so then you bow because you like made a mistake because I don't know I guess Chinese people love bowing and then you hold up your little hands like they're chopsticks and you cross them in front of you back and forth for like two minutes while you jump up and down it sucks um I had been looking forward <laughs> to being Arabian or Spanish. I would have settled for Spanish mm-hmm. also. That was pretty good yeah. in the Nutcracker my whole life. I'm, <laughs> I'm still very upset about it. Well, um, justice for me. (laughs) Speaking of things that we're upset about, um, and speaking of what's the episode uh, about? (laughs) The episode is about, um, the world of Snopes. And I, I, I'll say this relates in the sense that, like, every theater kid that I know. Uh, or formerly knew loves to like go because like I'm brave sometimes and I'll go on Facebook to venture on to the marketplace section and find good furniture and I will be accosted with for the last like four years of the Trump era I was accosted with Snope posts just people being like um actually um actually Mr. Trump you're lying and Snopes has the receipts to prove it. And it truly um, drove me insane for the longest time because of just how, like, silly it all seemed. But um, looking further into Snopes, it gets even worse. Um, so, yeah, and the, like, I will say that the I think that the like start of this was that um as you might know, we have mm-hmm. we have an Instagram page that you should follow. We do. Um, oh and God. regularly, <laughs> my posts get flagged <laughs> for for spreading misinformation by Instagram's team of fact checkers. And so, I think we were interested initially in like talking a little bit about like the origin of of Snopes and like the I don't know, the scandal that they went through, but then it kind of turned into this larger thing about how internet fact-checking works. Because first of all, I'm allowed to spread misinformation. If I want to put together an image of birds and say that two of those birds are genders and the rest of them are mental disorders, that is a fact in a way. And I should Mm -hmm. be allowed to say that. But it's a fact that we made up, and that th- that makes it a fact, in a sense. I mean, literally, I mean, like, what is what is truth? You know? Yeah. Like, what but also, is it? like, you know what? Like, let's be honest. Let's be vulnerable. Misinformation is funny. It's, it's funny, funny and it's fun, and like, it's a I'm good pastime. To do it. It's it's fine. So, like, this all starts where, like, the the industry of political fact-checking, which then, like, expanded into the rest of fact-checking, like, starts with the same way that everything else does. Um, 
which is the Iraq War. Uh, <laughs> it all goes. It all Check goes off back. the bingo card now. Mm, I, <laughs> we mentioned I, the Iraq War. I just like, like literally everything does go back to the Iraq War. It's true, it's, it, it is. started with where I guess like it started with nine eleven, where like um, the post nine eleven like blogosphere is what started the fact checking industry. So like. Mm-hmm. On September 19th, 2001. And what happened eight days before that? <sighs> Sorry, were you talking to me? <laughs> yeah, do you remember what happened eight days before September 19th, 2001? Um, I do. Um, and that is that uh, Robert Fisk, the no. Middle East correspondent. No, that's that's not what Fuck. happened. Um, it's it, the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants came out. Oh right! Oh, the Sisterhood <laughs> of the Traveling Pants did come out around then. Um. <laughs> no, but you're you're right. Um. <laughs> it did come out. My my neighbor actually, when I was growing up. Uh, is the mother of the woman who wrote Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. And she once gave me a signed copy of her adult novel and I read it and it was pretty bad. Um, and that's the only anecdote I have about the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. So but anyway, okay, yes. yeah, the, you can, can you read the, the Robert Fisk? Yeah. Quote? Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Um, Robert Fisk, which is, who is a, a Middle East correspondent for the independent, um, which is a British newspaper. So you know, take it with a grain of salt. But he uh, commented that, uh, quote, any idea of America sending its military across Afghanistan is a very, very dangerous operation in a country where America has no friends. Uh, Noting that one of the leaders opposing the Taliban in Afghanistan had been killed on September 9th, and the story had gone largely underreported. And then... On December 9th of 2001, blogger Which is Ken such a Lane, long time. Like, yeah, a feuds, long time. This is how long uh, feuds used to take back in the early 2000s. Yeah, Ken, like. <laughs> Ken had to like really open up his dial-up internet, wait for the AOL fucking <laughs> loading screen to go to go away. And it took like 40 years, or yeah, aka like 60 days, for the article mentions, If someone jumps into your mentions like four months after you say that these two birds are gender um, and they're like, I'm actually like, this has been proven to be false. <laughs> you, you would you would think that person was psychotic, but not in 2001. You'd be yeah. like, okay, that was a reasonable <laughs> amount of time because obviously your internet is slow as molasses. Um, he, Ken Lane responded to Fisk, uh, noting that the story had been covered by a mainstream press. Uh, the, the story of the uh, leaders opposing the Taliban had been killed. Um, it'd been covered in mainstream press like New York Times, LA Times, and BBC, and declared, quote, it's 2001, and we can fact check your ass. And you, like many in the hate America movement, are no longer able to dress your wretched reporting, reporting, in quotes, uh, in fiction. <laughs> Which, uh, first of all, we can fact check your ass. Is like, it, it, it's like, a really weird, like, uh, whatever, complacent. it's 2001. <laughs> we are not complacent. We are ready to vote right now if we could. <laughs> I get your ass up and rock the vote. Like, it's just something about, and, the, and him saying like, it's, it's 2001. It's like watching a movie from like the turn of the century where they're like, 
come on, it's 2004. Get with the program, Lillian. Like, it was just- 2001 is like back when Talk to the Hand was like a mm-hmm. really good comeback. <laughs> Um, or, Cancel or, my subscription. I'm like, over your issues. Like making your hands go up and down and going like, you're doing this. And then like making your hands stop and then yes. being like, and this is what I want you to do. And that was like, ooh, like, <laughs> like epic burn. Like we could fact check your ass. Um, also, like fun fact about Robert Fisk. He wrote The Great Theft for Civilization. Sorry, no, no, no. The Great War for Civilization. Um, but he he like got to interview Osama bin Laden in person because it was pre 9-11 for that. And he had such a good time. Like he came back and he was like, you know, like Osama, like he's really charismatic. He's just got a big, he's got a great presence, like big personality. I can see why people follow him. And that (laughs) is, that's the Pisces power. That's what we all have. Me him being like Osama. Osama's kind of cute. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like we can match anyone's vibe. <laughs> Just match their vibe. And but, be like, isn't Osama like kind of hot? Like <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, I mean, but like this quote basically is saying like from the beginning uh, this Ken Lane quote, like, fact-checking was about, like, scolding people on the left who criticize the assumptions of American imperialism. You know, I mean, you can hear this quote in, like, if you change some of the words around, this would just be someone's quote tweet to some journalist who happens to say that um, going to war now would be bad uh, with Russia. If you like, were just like, it's 2022, we can um, fact-check actually, um Actually, the facts are that going to war... Um, is good is good it's mm-hmm. good and we should we should it's actually you know nuking uh countries is actually good for women and if you don't want to nuke another country you don't really support women they i do think that make that's she her nukes now yeah um, they make so i guess nuke. those were our humble beginnings for the world mm-hmm. of fact checking and now we're in a place where like instagram facebook twitter um, TikTok also, they all have partnered with different fact-checking companies. And so I looked into the one that Instagram and Facebook uses because we're on Instagram and I didn't feel like looking into all of them. It's too many. So yeah. Instagram says like, we work with third-party fact-checkers across the globe who review content in over 60 languages and are certified through the Nonpartisan International Fact-Checking Network to help identify, review, and label false information. So I just like found that funny because nonpartisan is definitely a stand in there for objective, um, which is interesting. Um, like already we're seeing this idea that there is some mm-hmm. kind of like objective truth that our great um, leader Mark Zuckerberg is able to help <laughs> us find through the partnering with these these different companies, um, but I think definitely yeah, the ghost of Altuzer would have something to say <laughs> about whether or not Facebook can find us objective truth. So yeah, I like our when did I look? Powers up for the day, and he just mm-hmm. thinks, you know, what fake news can I obliterate today mm-hmm. with my all-powerful fact-checking network that I have partnered with. 
So I looked um, into this little IFCN, the International Fact Checking Network, and what they mm-hmm. had to say about themselves. And so they said that they have 15 members on its advisory board, 11 from signatory organizations, and four independent board members participating in decision-making processes, except vetting incoming applicants to the Code of Principles, which like is a lot of soup. But basically, like, 15 people are in charge of determining what is factual or not. Like, they're setting the guidelines for what this organization uses as its metrics for, like, what is factual or not. And so you can see... I'm imagining, like, that Council of Monoliths from Evangelion, where it's just, like, a bunch of slabs all getting (laughs) together in a room. (laughs) Like, you you might as well. Like, that's that's about right. Because you can see who the board members are on their site. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of them I don't recognize by name and I had to look into, but the ones that immediately stood out to me are Glenn Kessler from the Washington Post um, and Angie Holan from PolitiFact, who are described along Mm -hmm. with the rest of the board as pioneers in development and implementation in fact checking in their countries and regions like these are the they're on the front lines they're on the frontier of creating uh facts and checking them there's also someone on here from an organization called africa check which i don't know that much about but is like kind of concerning on its face um and Snopes, by the way, is not (laughs) on their list of of worthy fact-checking organizations, which will make a little bit more sense later. Um, But I looked into like what the criteria is to get on their list and maybe maybe Kendall can read some of these. Yeah. um, So to get on their list, you need uh, one, the applicant fact checks using the same high standards of evidence and judgment for equivalent claims regardless of who has made the claim. Um, Two, the applicant does not unduly concentrate its fact-checking on any one side, considers the reach and importance of claims it selects to check and publishers, uh, publishes, sorry, a short statement on its website to set out how it selects claims to check. So, you are meant to be politically neutral, which is uh, something we all know goes so well every single time. Uh, the applicant discloses in its fact checks uh, relevant interests of sources, it quotes, uh, where the reader might reasonably conclude those interests could influence the accuracy of the evidence provided. So basically, uh, the sources might be in partnership with this uh, piece of like media that is like sourcing these claims. It's like when um, um, the Washington Post, which is where one of the board members is um, from, Glenn Kessler, is like, <laughs> hey, we're reporting on um, the Amazon labor union right now. And also, we just want you to know that our owner is Jeff Bezos. Don't worry. We're being transparent. We are being transparent. So that's that's like necessary for um, being an like a media outlet or like a I don't know like a, a meme uh, <laughs> if it yeah. if it's factual or not. We've got to disclose who our funders are, and then that's good enough. Oh, and this um, is this is my favorite one. Oh yeah, <laughs> the applicant is. Uh, not as an organization affiliated nor with, with nor declares or shows support for any party 
any politician or political candidate, nor does it advocate for or against any policy dis- positions on issues, save for transparency and accuracy in public debate. Uh, <laughs> which is just funny when you have people like like Glenn on your board. Um, yeah, <laughs> Glenn, I guess having you know, like the one of the richest people on the planet as your owner is not an affiliation um, with with any policy positions or any issues. Yeah, totally. It's very nonpartisan. Um, you know, it's just based on your bank account. Um, the applicant sets out its policy on nonpartisanship for staff on its site. Save for the issues of accuracy and transparency, the applicant staff do not get involved in advocacy or publicize their views on policy issues. The organization might fact check in a way that might lead to reasonable a reasonable member of the public to see the organization's work as biased. So you as a as a member of their staff, like let's let's be like Let's let's take like a hypothetical news organization like I don't know the like uh, Washington Post and mm-hmm. let's let's say that they have a bunch of staff members that they pay probably less than they're worth um, and they tell them you you must have a public Twitter in order to that is verified in order to like you know publish your your pieces for us so that we get more website traffic but on your twitter you cannot make any you cannot get involved in any advocacy or publicize your views on policy issues at all despite the fact that you are writing potentially writing about policy issues or advocacy you cannot take a stance because that would be seen as bias which is so Uh, i mean this is such a like a liberal outlook on like I don't know the concept of truth or something that like a like that something can be contaminated by someone acknowledging what their viewpoints are even though like acknowledging what organizations or like what relevant interests you have like that's a form of transparency that's acceptable like Mm -hmm. saying I receive funding from Jeff Bezos Jeff Bezos pays my salary is like all the transparency that you need um, and then like everything that you write after that can be taken as objective truth but saying like I am a liberal or I am um, a communist or um, I think that Nancy Pelosi drinks the blood of children like if you say that (laughs) and then you write an article then it's like oh this is biased but it actually might be helpful to know like who thinks that Nancy Pelosi drinks children's blood that might give me a lot of insight um to the piece that they're writing and it's and it's really silly to pretend that just because someone doesn't disclose views means that they don't have one but that is or that I they aren't just like a very... their article in the direction of that view, like mm-hmm. at all. Like it's very like let's you know I'll use a code name, um, but okay. let's talk about like let's say one of our um, known nemeses, mm-hmm. um, fail, failure Lorenz. Oh, who's and, that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. They might also work for um, the the Washington Post. <laughs> yeah, pretty, they might also work for the Washington Post. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about a completely imaginary person here, um, but like. When you look at their articles about like youth culture, it's like very clear that they have a like and from 
not only just like their public Twitter, but when they are um, like only half publicly showing their ass in a discord server filled with like at least a thousand people um, (laughs) that they have like a clear disdain for the youth and for youth culture that they're writing about. Um, And that comes through in their articles, like very clearly that they um, have some kind of resentment and find that like all anything the youth do like has to be, put through this like lens in their work because it's also for an audience of people who like don't um, under get the internet. Um, so they have to spend half the article explaining like all the terminology and all the, the characters involved and then spend half of it being like, isn't it silly? Isn't this silly and fun and goofy and has absolutely no implications outside of that. Like there's absolutely no way that Addison Ray as like a powerful internet star who has become friends with the Kardashians uh, can leverage her career any further than that. It's just that she's a silly, silly internet star and you old person who subscribes to the Washington Post have absolutely no reason to worry your silly little head about it. Like it's very clear that like failure has a (laughs) uh, (laughs) failure has a a viewpoint and so does the audience and they both need to like, like they need to coexist like in a in a harmonic way in order for that article to get the uh, traffic that it needs for the wash the Washington Post sorry mm-hmm, yeah. uh, stay afloat um it's just it's 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 a weird liberal fantasy to live in that these for-profit organizations can op- can operate com- in a completely unbiased way just in terms of like its profit margins like, it's very clear they need to pick an audience, they need to pick a demographic, they need to pick a group of people to market to if they want their articles to get written, to get read, um, and to have their ads be clicked on. Yeah. So we can, like, see this idea of, like, not acknowledging biases means that you don't have them, like, coming into practice already with how they're choosing who gets to be the actual like assessors who check the facts because in order to be an assessor um you they are as described by the ifcn um journalism professors researchers or media consultants who have a solid knowledge of media and the fact checking ecosystem which is the ecosystem that they established um, a broad understanding of transparency the freedom of the press and the political context of the country or region where they work and where the assessed applicants publish their fact checks. So like already there's this like bias here that just because someone has studied journalism or teaches journalism or is involved in media means that they are like more likely or, or it, it, like it's possible for them to be like a non-biased person just because this is the industry that they work in and that they're like mm-hmm. more likely to be able to assess truth than someone who does like not have a job in these fields. Um, and it's like the the idea that the these people who work in this field, like especially journalism. Yeah, journalism uh, is a dirty, like, dirty profession. I do not respect. Yeah, they come um, from like the exact stock. Like, because the problem with journalism is that, especially now it's a very like, like I think we can say this because we're not journalists, even though we have friends who are journalists. So um, I think we're allowed to say it. Um, it's it's a very like incestuous industry at the moment, where like you have to like know who you know, 
Um, so you know how in Neo Yokio, and in order to know who you know, they all have to be elite, right? So like, failure Lorenz went to like elite boarding schools. Yeah. Um, well, this is what I'm saying. You know how yeah. it's just like Neo Yokio, because you know how in Neo Yokio, <laughs> when they have the race in the finale, and then mm-hmm. they need someone to represent the Neo Yokio team, and then Archangelo is just he's just the person that's doing that, and it's like, how'd you get this? And he's like, oh, my dad got it for me. I feel like that's basically what journalism is it's sort of just like a like a placeholder job that rich people throw their children into who can't like hack it in finance um there are other people who like work in journalism but a lot of them are like not making money or not doing that well because they are not um like the scions Mm -hmm. of like evil evil people and they don't follow instagram meme pages about what it was like to grow up in boarding school so i did people come from a certain stock Mm -hmm. and well okay and so i i checked because would not influence their behavior yeah so i checked all of the assessors because their names are public on the ifcn website Mm -hmm. and they are literally all journalists and academics which is a super great diverse pool um the application to be an assessor is open so I did apply because I went to Princeton for like a semester um so I feel like that should be good enough I'm gonna see if I'll get in (laughs) and then I can start checking my own facts and I'm going to say that everything that I say is factual um so I wanted to like look into what are some things that are considered truthful and not truthful by these organizations. Um, and so I first checked out PolitiFact because that's one that shows up a lot, especially on Instagram, mm-hmm. I think, because like they are probably taking like the United States, like West territory versus like some of the other organizations that or like the people on the board are in charge of other countries um but also like the politifact website um if you like you should go look at it kendall it is like the most annoying website i've had to navigate in a minute i do not know who was in charge of putting this together um but it's like like low-key like impossible um (laughs) to to navigate because you can't it's, you can't it's search terrible. by like keywords. No. So I was trying to find more recent um, like facts that they checked and then some older ones just to see like where they were on. There were some issues that I was interested to see like what the Snopes assessment was. And it's so hard to search by keyword, um, which seems like like the main thing that you would want out of a fact checking website is like, mm-hmm. oh, there's something that I want to, to, ch- to check the fact on let me look up mm-hmm. the, the genre of that that fact and then you can't do it um <laughs> like like it's just showing you like the latest um right like you can see new, new stuff but you can't really yeah. like search through the archives easily which i feel is suspicious uh mm-hmm. for uh like a website that is supposed to be like and it's about like, transparency. Um, I get that they're I don't trying know to like if they're just fun. inept. Like I don't know who is in, in charge of coding this, but I get you know this is probably a very boring job, and they're like they're trying to have a little fun with their little graphic. Oh, you design. think that they were just doing a silly one, and that's why the website is impossible to to look through? Well, it's it's not that. It's it's the it's the rest of like the icons that they use. Because I like, was having a silly one when I coded the Big Soy Naturals website. Yeah, I and yeah. and I think that it's still mostly legible so it i don't is. know that's the thing is that but i i don't think it's the graphic design it's, it's the like 
there's little icons in particular. There's like, so there's, if you go on the website right now, uh, dear listener, you will see next to, um, first of all, they have these like little um, stanzas that look like, like almost like the, if you remember the terrorist color-coded chart, like that's kind of how these are organized, like by green and yellow and orange and red. And then on the side, there's these, um, almost like a radio radiometer for like detecting nuclear activity. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so it says I, like false and then pants on fire, which I don't really understand the difference between like a lie and like a, a, a really, really lie. Like, like, and it's just like, it seems like they were trying to have a fun one with that because their job is so fucking boring, but it's just like it for a professional website, it just reads as very like coffee drumpf to mm-hmm. be like, pants yes. on fire like haha you're really lying and then they like when the pants on fire one like it's literally on fire haha and it's just like okay so something about because I, I, is really I boils could not my... like easily search through their archives um and I, I really wanted to see what they had to say about like who did 9-11 and who shot jfk mm-hmm. but i couldn't i couldn't do it it was too much work to try to figure it out so i instead went to their page that assesses um, Biden's campaign promises and if he has kept Mm -hmm. them or not. And what they say about their own process is like they define a promise as a prospective statement of action or outcome that is verifiable. Um, All of our promises list the source. So I would say an example of an action uh, or outcome that is verifiable um, from a promise is maybe if a candidate promises um, that you're going to get $2,000, um, and so there's there's an outcome that you can check for, and then you get six hundred dollars. You can you can verify uh, is six hundred dollars two thousand um, dollars. Am I just not doing the math right? Am right. I just stupid? Uh, so and Politifact says yes, you are. You are just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're saying uh, yeah, six hundred is also two thousand dollars. So. That seems like fair enough, though, like as a as a process um, to, you know, like take a statement with a promise and then assess, like, have they met this promise? Yes or no. Um, that that should be pretty simple. But um, one of their options for whether or not something is factual is like in the works, like if so, if a which just means that like if the promise just needs to be continued to be proposed while the candidate is in office. So if. Joe Biden says, like, I'm going to do this, and then he doesn't do it, but he makes a speech about, say, looking into continuing the idea of canceling student debt, but he hasn't done it, then the promise is, like, still in the works, and so it is not a lie, even though it hasn't happened. Um, So one of his promises um, is get COVID-19 under control. Um, PolitiFact uh, rated that as truthful. Um, because it's in the works. So cool. Um, yeah, it's in progress. Therefore, another promise is get bipartisan cooperation on the economy. And that one is also counted as truthful because it's in the works. Um, another promise is use a national commission to address policing issues, um, which is rated as stalled. Um, like paused rather than he didn't do it. Um, even though this promise is like supposed to be about getting together some kind of rainbow coalition to determine solutions around police brutality, it's literally just 
forming a committee. So I'm not yeah. sure how you can say that this is stalled rather than just not done. Um, Especially because, because he has already thrown more money at cops. So he's like yeah. already decided how he wants to address policing issues. What's irritating about it is that forming a rainbow coalition, forming a committee. I mean, obviously, like it's a easiest, stupid idea, but it's very, but it's, it's very easy. easy. It's a classic easy out that every like politician and government uses of just like shit. We're in like the we're in like you know we're on everybody's shit list about this like one thing, um, and we need to like make sure people feel secure again. How do we do that? And the easiest and cheapest thing to do is to give like three people or five like a job as like a as a doing nothing as a professional do nothing <laughs> do nothing and like just make them like meet every like two weeks to talk about like different diversity hires they can make and uh different like i don't know lunch get togethers they can have and then you're done and then you've said like you've done it um, it's a very easy thing to do, and he just didn't do it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but it's but it's rated as stalled because he said yeah. like I'm going to get to it at some point. Um, yeah. And so I just I think you only that, have like, four years. So what I would say is that all of these so far are pretty generous interpretation of like a truthful commitment to this promise. The um, another one that's rated as truthful is put the United States on a course to net zero emissions by 2050 because it's in the works. And the other one that's rated as truthful is improve Obamacare. So um, by the looks of it, Biden has pretty much followed through on all of his campaign promises. Um, and the final thing about all of these facts is that it does explain how they're in the works, you know, like where Biden's progress is on this, like if he's made a speech where he's mentioned it recently or something, but there are no sources for any of them. No. Like it is just PolitiFact writing it out. And I find that very confusing and also concerning from like a organization that is supposed to be checking whether something is truthful or not. Because if you have checked it, I would like to also check how you checked it, but you're not yeah. providing me with like any of the materials that you use to determine no, whether this was no truthful or not. No hyperlinks, no like bibliography. I mean, there is a bibliography, but it's like half the time, like the links aren't even there. There's one like um, in this one that I'm looking at right now that is just about um, Joe Biden kind of half truth thing about the time that he was a full professor at the University of Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. um, two of the two of the sources to that are an email interview with Kelly Benjamin, spokesperson for the American Association of University Professors. Um, like, and there's like, I, I don't see the quote here um, that they're using. Um, like, it's just like half of these like are not hyperlinked. Yeah. As I've said so many times, like weird. citations are a form of like democratizing information. It's how you make your knowledge common. And so I find it really like suspicious, concerning and like infuriating that an organization is like both determining itself to be like an arbiter of truth, but then also deciding like we're not going to share with you how we figured this out to be the truth. Um, and before we move on to the Washington Post, we'll have to include it in the description so that you can yeah, see it. But I <laughs> found a photo of the PolitiFact team. And Kendall, I'm just wondering if you could if you can notice um, anything, a theme um, about this about this team of people that are determining what truth is. 
they're all ugly uh no they're all white uh-huh. um, yeah yeah <laughs> I mean they're Literally, both like <laughs> there there might be one person in this photo that I am thinking could be potentially not a white person I'm not um in the business of judging phenotypes but I just feel like overall this is a yeah. pretty Caucasian team and I think that if they don't get their shit together soon, I'm going to kill myself in front of them to change the trajectory of their lives forever. This is a TJ Maxx ad. Um, this is this uh, is an ethno state. Like <laughs> this is like a, a sampling of a neighborhood in Seattle. Um, this is this not is like a group door. of people that I trust to tell me what the truth is. This is. Um, this is a polycule that really likes your vibe. Um, this is the country club that your mom goes to. <laughs> okay, so we're moving on to the Washington Post. Um, and I just like looked at like... A few weeks ago, the first page of what facts were checked. So this is a couple weeks old, um, but I thought it was important to keep it up because like that was right when um, like the Russia-Ukraine conflict was happening. And so there's there's just all kinds of fun things at that moment, because the, the idea of determining truth then is very funny when there's like so many things that are unknown or like things that are disputed. And so to come and weigh in and be like, no, 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 we got it is is pretty um hubristic i would say but anyway they they fact checked biden's state of the union address um i don't care i'm not gonna look at it um i when that was happening i thought that like binge drinking and blacking out would be a better way to spend my time than watching the state of the union so i still like don't know what it is um but then here are some other headlines uh trump's effort to rewrite history on his support of nato and ukraine Tucker Carlson says Ukraine is not a democracy. Here are the facts. Um, Biden's 2021 proposals to Congress, what flopped and what succeeded. And I was really interested in the use of the word flop instead of like lie or untruthful promise. Um, I think they're trying to appeal to Gen Z almost in that. Well, I guess "Um, guess that too, but like... I just feel like flop has like a passive tone to it. Like, oh, oh this absolutely. just didn't work rather than like he proposed this and it didn't happen. Like um, you're talking about Biden's campaign promises and his, <laughs> his proposals to Congress as if it's like a Marina Diamandis album. Like <laughs> it's yeah. just like it, that is as if like fruit is a flop. <laughs> it's not it's not on the charts right now. Um, another <laughs> is fact checking Putin's speech on Ukraine. Um, And then one more was how the right embraced the false claim that Hillary Clinton spied on Donald Trump. So just out of these, like something that I found interesting was how many of them were focusing on Trump, who is like not the Mm -hmm. president and fact checking him when he's like not really in a position of power right now versus the person who is the president. Um, He's just he's just flopping, but we're not really holding him accountable. Um, And then. I did click on one because the headline was interesting. It uh, was new details revealed on visas given to victims of human trafficking. And the description of it made me curious enough to read the actual article. It it reads, um, U.S. citizenship and immigration services has finally documented 
which nationalities have received the most visas for being a victim of human trafficking, but the numbers are relatively small. And it turns out that this is another Trump fact check um, because Trump in 2018 or 2019, which is three years ago, um, claimed in his State of the Union address that thousands of young girls and women were being smuggled between ports of entry and being sold into prostitution and modern day slavery. And, um, you know, he was saying that to like drum up support for like closing, closing the borders or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was just like Trump being xenophobic. I don't think he actually cares about sex trafficking victims, but that's like not really the point of this. The Washington Post refutes that by saying that actually the total number of victims who received visas over the 14-year period was just 8,550 for both sex and labor trafficking. And the other 8,860 were visas for derivative or like related family members. Um, And that is uh, literally thousands. So (laughs) Trump claimed in his speech that thousands of people were being smuggled between ports and, that's 8, um, and then they're saying so. that it that's not factual because it's just 8,000. Once again, they're thousand, telling you that you're wrong uh, for reading math correctly. Yeah, like, thousand 600 means- is 2,000. <laughs> 8,000 is not 1,000. Um, (laughs) so I just like, I feel like this would get rated true if it was about Biden saying something similar, because it's literally just stretching the meaning of like how these thousands are counted. It's like, well, actually, Mm -hmm. like only 8,000 of them are trafficking victims. The other 8,000 are their family members. And only some of that 8,000 are sex trafficking victims. So when Trump said that thousands of people, um, are being trafficked, like he was wrong because he should have said it's only 8,000. It feels um, like, once again, like they're, the fact-checking industry at the moment, and I think we're getting into this, but generally, like it's always missing the forest for the trees. Like it has to be, like you have to not, I mean, work your way like around it. Very in order- obviously directing us to a point of view, which is that yeah. Trump is lying and, and that he is like using these facts to um, justify a position that the Washington Post doesn't agree with, that I also don't agree with. But why yeah. not just say that like he is trying to justify increased, you know, like border security and border violence, which is evil. But if we're like simply looking at the the facts, the then number. we have to take like the statement as it is, which is he said human traffickers. Actually, can you do a Trump voice? Do you know how to do it? Uh, do I? Do I? <laughs> I can do you I... do it? You're from New York. By way of Connecticut. Um, yeah. <laughs> let's see. Um, oh, my fucking God. <laughs> you could do a different. You could do a different voice yeah. if you want. Okay. Okay. Hey. <laughs> um, was your anime no, girl voice? Okay. Yeah. It's really my anime boy voice. All right. What did Trump um, say? Um, human traffickers and sex traffickers take advantage of the wide open areas between our ports of entry, smuggle thousands of young girls and women into the United States and sell them into prostitution, modern-day slavery. (laughs) 
Yeah, and like again, it's definitely done to justify like cutting down on immigration and being more violent to people at the border. But like, just instead of saying that they're like, oh no, like when he said thousands, like she should have said not thousands. So the Washington Post like continues to refute this and says like actually the United States has only approved this relatively low thousands of. Um, number of trafficking victim visas over the past 14 years. Um, So I guess what they wanted him to say was that like these thousands of people that were counted are thousands of people like over a decade, which is like true, but they wanted, wanted I'm just, you know, like I, I'm just not sure how that's like not factual. And then the fact checking analysis concludes that because more of the trafficking victims with visas approved are labor trafficking victims rather than sex trafficking ones, it means that there are more victims of labor trafficking than sex trafficking overall, which is kind of like bunk logic because it's like just because like the United States happens to approve more visas for one like kind of victim of trafficking does not mean that the amount of trafficking victims overall like line up with the proportion that like the United States Mm -hmm. approves visas for. Um, And it it also doesn't say anything about like how many victims um, that come into the United States through the slave trade, like end up actually applying for visas anyway. So like there's, there's like going to be, I don't know, like a, like the, proportions in that pool do not necessarily line up with like what the proportions are overall. And then this is my favorite part um, because the Washington Post concludes with like by statute, no more than 5,000 principal T like trafficking visas may be granted in any fiscal year. So the United States is is not allowed to approve more than 5,000 visas for trafficking victims. So how can there be thousands and thousands and thousands of victims that we can count Mm -hmm. if we're only approving a certain number of visas and so like they take us through like all of these things that they that they report on that they're sharing with us but somehow this statement is not factual even though when you read the explanation it it actually does not back up their claim that Mm -hmm. um trump was lying in that sentence and i just wish that like I wish that people could be brave because they could have just called him like a stupid racist. Um, and then that would have been, that would have been true. Um, <laughs> but they have to be like, I mean, um, actually, you. Um, when you count thousand, you need to consider um, like asterisk and uh, this other thing. And um, mm, uh, logically, uh, it doesn't like, follow. In the end, you should have, you should have just said you are using like trafficking as like a stepping stool to get to your point of xenophobia and instead they also used trafficking as a stepping stool to get to their point of actually you're wrong um yeah, and the problem and with trafficking that, is guess... actually not that big of a deal it's a relatively low, low number yeah, and, yeah there's um, not really that many people up. it's only yeah. a few thousand it's not that many thousands and um, therefore we shouldn't care like mm-hmm. that's what it reads as is therefore yeah. we should not care because it is not 10,000. It is not 20,000. It's only 8,000. Mm-hmm. And when we get into relativity and numbers, uh, which is, you know, the, for the past like four years of the Trump, uh, the Trump era, the Democrats love to like fact check him with numbers and hit him over the head with numbers. But when you look at um, like these social groups of people as just numbers, um, you, you, 
in turn just dehumanize them as much as it's a, it's a um, very your, the party evil, that you're arguing against. It's a very evil like tactic to refute your political enemy when the like actual correct thing to do would just be like he does not care about trafficking victims. He is bringing this up in order to like cause more violence and harm to people that like are are likely to be trafficking victims. Um, but you're not allowed to say that because that would be having a point of view, which would mm-hmm. then um, mean that you it would taint are, your precious precious yeah, bias. You're, you're not. It's not possible for you to share facts if you have a point of view. So we've got another headline. Here's why Trump once again is claiming spying by Democrats. Um, viral article that unleashed crack pipe firestorms relied on assumptions, and that was like back when like Biden. I think like for a minute said that it was cool to do crack or like he didn't actually, but people thought that he did, um, whatever. So here's like two more where one is like, I guess like being negative towards Trump and one that is like supporting Biden. Um, and then another one that I clicked on called the ERA and the U S archivist anatomy of a false claim. Um, and this one I thought was fun cause it's about women's rights and, yeah. We love supporting women's rights and wrongs here. Um, mm-hmm. So the the era, like ERA, is the Equal Rights Amendment, which the Constitution, um, or the Constitution has never been interpreted to guarantee the rights of women as a class and the rights of men as a class to be equal. So the idea that women should have rights, I guess, is just sort of like assumed, but um, the Constitution doesn't. Um, say that they do and so there has been a fight since 1923 or it was introduced the first time in 1923 to get the assertion that like women are equal as a class to men Um, and it's been voted on lots of times since then Um, it was close to being ratified in 1972 but then it wasn't and I found like a map of like all of the states that um ratified it on the state level it's like most of them um there's only a few states like like florida hasn't and like north and south mm-hmm. carolina haven't um, yeah louisiana a couple of like a lot of the um, like um what's it called is that like the rust belt or is that the, is the I, I would like say Ohio? yeah i mean Bible i would belt? call i i mean i would That's call like it pejorative. like yeah i mean i would say like geographically south of the mason dixon line but like also that's kind of pejorative so like i'm not really sure but what i would say is like it's a few of the southern states that are not the biggest one which is texas Mm -hmm. um Um, and then some of the midwestern states that kind of are on the i just i just got curious on that one because i was like oh wait women don't have rights um and it it turns out like in most of the states they they do but it's not in the constitution so Anyway, um, I'm just, I want to reiterate that like the criteria of, or two of what makes a fact-checking site reputable by the IFCN is that the applicant does not unduly concentrate its fact-checking on any one side. And this, I just was like taking a random sampling of like the first like two pages of the Washington Post. I wasn't going and looking for anything. Um, And all of them were either about defending the Biden administration or the goals um, of the Biden administration or calling out Trump. And I am, well, am I okay? Am I saying that it's like, I don't know if it's like a really great use of anyone's time at this point to be calling out Trump because like, 
who is he? Um, he doesn't even have a Twitter account anymore. So mm-hmm. I mean, like, but I feel just- like th- that focus obviously implies a, a bias because, like, who is thinking about Trump except for like blue wave, like resistance liberals? Like, we have people and that people are who still in think power the election was right rigged. now. It's just like, yeah, to to be focusing on, and unless like Trump is like making a public appearance and saying something, I just feel like it's, um, like it not a very worthwhile use of time to be like going and checking on what he said in 2019 and is that factual or not when there are other things that are happening um and then again like none of the ones on the first three pages that I looked at were critical about the Biden administration so I feel like it is not meeting the goal that Glenn Kessler, who is on the board, set for himself of not unduly concentrating its fact-checking on any one side. Um, so what makes something a fact? I had to I had to look so far to find anyone's definition of fact, which I feel like should have been, it should have been the first thing. Um, yeah. But do you want to read what um, PolitiFact yeah. has said about their, their process? So... Um, what they have said is that um, their process uh, published on their, this is published on their about page, pretty far down. Um, The burden of proof is on the speaker and we rate statements based on the information known at the time the statement is made. So even if the information is already known generally by the public, if the speaker did not know that information at the time that the statement was made, then it can ostensibly be read charitably as like that person who spoke thought it was true, which is <laughs> very silly. Um, <laughs> the reporter who researches and writes the fact check suggests a rating when they turn in a report to an assigned editor. Um, the editor and reporter review the report together, typically making clarifications and adding additional details. They come to an agreement on the rating, and then the assigning editor brings the rated fact check to two additional editors. So let's say. So for like a really reporter... long time. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, got oh, okay. I've got it. I've got it. Okay, okay, okay. For okay. a very long time, I legitimately thought, and I'm not joking, that pee was stored in the balls. Because like, I don't, ha- I don't have balls. And yeah. like. I didn't have Wait, I didn't not. go to a very well funded <laughs> public school. Um and before that I went to Catholic school. So my sex education was pretty limited. When I was in high school for sex ed, we just read perks of being a wallflower. So I didn't learn that much about the sexual organs besides what I already knew. Um and I I saw on the internet at one point that pee mm-hmm. is stored in the balls. And so I used to confidently say that that is where <laughs> pee is stored. Um, and because I didn't know that it was not truthful at the time, PolitiFact would have to rate that as true. Uh, yeah. Secondly, um, we, can, we can go into their verification process. For a very long time, I thought that I was Irish. I thought I was telling the truth when I told people that I was Irish and I told other people and only that recently true. and you yeah. can hear that on a, on a, on a different episode, the biracial caucus episode, dear listener, exactly. and you want to go back you. and hear this shocking revelation. I'm so very I would upset, be upset about too. it, but I told you that I was Irish mm-hmm. and I told other people that I was, and I believed so you. 
Um, we, we all should, believed each other. We could go through this verifying process and, and check with other reputable sources. And we all thought that it was true at the time. So I guess it's true, which makes me still Irish. Yeah. <laughs> so you're still Irish. I mean, mm-hmm. I was going to say that let's say a reporter is writing about like the Amazon labor union efforts. And then they write a fact check about like, actually what Amazon said about the Amazon labor union efforts is wrong. Um, the uh, like if, if let's say the, that Amazon released a statement saying the Amazon labor union um, was uh, giving uh, people illicit drugs in order to uh, get people on their side during the union vote. And then the fact checking reporter goes, actually, that's not true. Um, like we can hear from the sources here uh, from the labor union that that was not true. And then the editor comes in and they review the report together. And then the editor goes, um, so Jessica, um, <laughs> you wrote this report um, saying that they did not deal illicit drugs in order to get the union vote. But here's the thing. Um, our company is owned by the CEO of Amazon. So, um, or he, at least he, like, let's say he has like a share of, uh, he is a really huge shareholder in the company. So um, this, uh, according to our sources, which is the, you know, the majority shareholder in our company um, is actually true. So um, I think we need to make some clarifications and add some additional details um, and then come to an agreement on the rating. And then of course the underpaid worker goes, okay, we'll come to an agreement on the rating. And then the assigned editor brings that rated fact check to two additional editors who go, now this looks really good. And the three editors and the reporter then review the fact check by discussing the following questions, which is, is the statement literally true? Okay, wait, hold is on. There a- <laughs> hold on. Um, Kendall, if you could go to dinner with any one person right now, um, who would yeah. that be? Um, let's, oh God, off the top of my dome, off the top of my head. Yeah, just like who, anyone, alive or dead? You're inviting them to dinner. Who are they? The only name that's coming to mind right now is Fred Durst from Limp okay. So perfect. So um, we've got now three editors. Okay. Me, you, okay. and Fred Durst. And we are uh, going to go through the PolitiFact uh, checking okay. process of uh, is pee stored in the balls? So the yeah. first question is the statement literally true? I'm going to say yes. Um, I feel like Fred Durst is also saying yes. So that's one check off. Yo, come on. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is there another way to read the statement? um, Is P Uh stored in the balls Uh or P is stored in the balls? Is the statement open to interpretation? I would say that no. I think that it's a pretty ended. Sorry, it's a closed statement. There's not not a lot of room for interpretation there. So that's another Mm -hmm. point in our favor. Um, did the speaker provide evidence? So as the speaker, um, I'll say that the evidence is that I read it online. Um, yeah. And I can I could definitely point to lots, lots of places online that um, prove this statement to be something that I thought was truthful. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we've got that one checked off also. Yeah. yeah. And then how have we handled similar statements in the past? Uh, and I, I would say we can point to the example of the time that Joe Biden said that $2,000 was actually 600 mm-hmm, And I think mm-hmm. that that maybe means that P 
pee can be stored in the balls. Yeah, I so, mean, if numbers can be fake, so pee can be stored anywhere. We can yeah, put it anywhere. Yeah, so we're, we're going to rate that as truthful, having gone through PolitiFact's jurisprudence. Um, if you want to do this at home, you just need three people, um, and then you just have to answer these questions. And if you mm-hmm. say yes to all of them, um, oh, and actually, well, you actually, actually really need three people because the three editors vote on the rating, and two votes carry the decision. Um so if me and Fred Durst vote against you, then it's still factual. Yeah. If I was like, hey, his pronouns are they, them. And you were like, actually, they're yeah. not. And Fred Durst was like, actually, they're not. Mm-hmm. And then then it would just go then forward. It's fact. And it, yeah. Then it's fact. You could assign everyone like new names yeah. and new pronouns that way by just mm-hmm. like getting a triumvirate. The council has decided. <laughs> fact checkers. <laughs> The pronoun can, fact checker. Really, yeah, we could really create a whole new reality that way. Just be like, uh, you know, the triumvirate has decided, um, and what you believe to be true is not. Um, so I hope that it is obvious now that fact checking is just ideology of production. Like, there are some things that you can verify is true or false, but I mean, I would say something like a campaign promise. Um, if someone really thinks that like Joe Biden saying I'm still working on it counts as it being truthful, like that's, that's kind of, they, they can believe that. I think that that's actually like yeah. fine, but I'm also like entitled to believe that it is uh, not a kept campaign promise. And mm-hmm. I think that like the debate that we can have there is like, how much do we believe his word when he says he's working on it? And that's something that's like up to interpretation. It's like based on your opinion of him as a as a person and as someone that has like follow through. And all of that is ideological. The idea that it is like apolitical to say that he's working on it because he said that he's working on it counts as a fact is just like laughable. Well, and um, making it apolitical as we have seen from the sex trafficking uh debacle is that it strips people of their humanity um on like all sides of the political spectrum um and is like really uh false your thinking it just completely uh takes away any real on the subject of humanity stripping Mm -hmm. we simply must talk about pepe the frog (laughs) oh god yeah we do we have to I think that like you and I and everyone around our age who was, you know, a child of the internet will know that this is literally a truth. This is a fact. This is objective. You cannot, Mm -hmm. you cannot contest me on this. Pepe was not an alt-right hate symbol. He was literally just a frog that everyone on the internet used. Like people on 4chan were devoted to finding rare Pepes and that's true. But like, also, people on Tumblr loved Pepe the Frog. They love. Perry Pepe the Frog. was posting Pepe the Frog. He was all over Instagram. He was rappers just, were posting Pepe the Frog on their he was Tumblr. Just a frog. He was just like a frog, was- and he was like used as an avatar to communicate lots of different ideas. Yeah. So originally, of you could find like a Nazi Pepe if you wanted to. Yeah. But that was that's like not that was not evidence that yeah. he was an alt right hate symbol originally Um, he was a character in a stoner comic a comic about like four furry best friends 
Well, and this is like the nature were, of memes. Yeah, who were just they, stoners. Like, they get ripped from their their yeah. context and they kind of just become floating and images. If I can be if I can be honest, Matt Fury's comic that included Pepe the Frog was good, and I did meet Matt Fury's brother. And this was around the time of like 2017. Uh, so this was when Matt was uh, suing Alex Jones for using Pepe the Frog and um, unfortunately lost that case um, mm-hmm. because of just like how Pepe grew as like an IP. And we can talk about like intellectual I think, property. I think it kind of makes time, sense but... that he lost because Pepe yeah. was so ubiquitous that like I would not say that even though it is his character that he originated, like the use of it was not something that like was owned by him or started by him. So I, I can mm-hmm. see how that happened. Um, yeah. Also, like we can your talk about IP reveal, another time, but your furry reveal comes closer every day. Um, <laughs> but anyway, just like I don't know, like I was online in 2015, and so were mm. you. Pepe was not an alt right hate symbol, and it was literally just the Daily Beast article, which was fact checked. <laughs> the Daily Beast is one of the reputable sites on on the IFCN. Um, how Pepe the Frog became a Nazi Trump supporter and an alt-right symbol. And it the came idea out May that 26. Pepe as like a person is like a person who like became a Nazi Trump supporter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, this article came out May 26, 2016, and this was the first one that was analyzing like Pepe the Frog. Then there were others after that that were like, oh, like the alt-right, they love to meme. And none of them, they were all giving them way too much credit because mm-hmm. none of them were good at making memes or at being funny. Um, but this this article was written by like a proto-Failure Lorenz type who like didn't really spend time online like that, was not a part of like the online cultures that was like making use of this image. And so in their um, work of researching online alt-right communities, um, they were like, oh, they're using this frog a lot. This must be one of their symbols because mm-hmm. they're using it a lot. But if they had like been a part of other communities online, they might have realized that this was just a ubiquitous symbol of online. Um, mm-hmm. And again, like this is like why acknowledging your biases and like your position is so important because if they were like I'm not an online person (laughs) yeah and like kind of all of this article would be rendered mute or moot but like this yeah it basically details like the frequent use of Pepe the Frog by alt-right people we'll link the article in description so you can read it but it's just talking about the ways that like the alt-right remixed um his image to be um like a Nazi and a white supremacist or even like they would remix Pepe to look like a black person. Yeah, um, yeah. They would do those like kinds of remixes of him. But the idea of Pepe was like he was his own kind of meme that was kind of more of a blank slate that you could put your like other things onto. Um, mm. So like I wouldn't say that like Pepe like, like, as like meme, to his you know? core. Yeah, yeah. Like there like, are there are memes that I think have like racist like origins that just cannot mm-hmm. be like that they, they cannot be separated from but pepe was like very much just a like a frog that people posted like well, the, and I think that was what made him so popular was that it was like yeah. kind of a blank slate image that you could mm-hmm. project a lot of different ideas onto and so that was why mm-hmm. it was popular with people in alt-right communities online but also why it was like popular everywhere else so then mm-hmm. 
this article was basically rewritten by different journalists lots of different times who thought that they were being real original reporting on the online alt-right I this is like a different thought for a different time but I really feel like the the online-ness of the alt-right and the like just like the reactionary like part of the United States that like got really amped up about Trump was like super overblown. Like I'm not saying that they weren't online people in Mm -hmm. that movement, but like there are uh, active white supremacist cells that like contain people besides just like extremely online, like 22 year olds. Like there's every, like, like (laughs) like every police department in the United States. And like, they're probably not using Pepe the frog all that often. So I don't know. I just felt like it was, Oh, I don't know if strong is the right word. What? It was overblown. I mean, that's the yeah, real main just, thing is that like it and it gave them the the terminally like online folks a lot a, of like a, it gave them a lot of like swelled heads, you know, about yeah, like their I think it, it created an enemy that we could or not we because I'm not a liberal, but that that like liberals could feel superior to but also not like afraid of because it's like, mm-hmm. oh, these are just like losers who are on fortune um, when like mm-hmm. there was a much broader like white supremacist um, like I don't know, like faction of the United States that is that was mm-hmm. like supporting all of these awful things. And, anyway, and they allowed liberals to dismiss like real white not not saying that like these other people weren't white supremacists, but like real like you know blood and soil kind of white supremacists the, the that were that these holding tiki torches out. as just like terminally yeah. online guys who lived in their mother's basement when in fact well, a lot of them had like out. pretty middle class mm-hmm. jobs. Were like normal guys um, who like you probably interacted with like on a daily basis. Like you're like you know fucking David from the office. Yeah, Um, (laughs) and they're they're like your middle school teacher or something. Yeah, but I don't know. These articles were coming out being like, oh, like if someone uses Pepe the Frog, they're racist. Um, Often in the same outlets that were also publishing, like "Mm, I like hung out with Richard Spencer. And he's kind of cool. Um, yeah. He's ed- he's edgy. So it like, I don't know. I, I had feelings about that do. at the time. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, and this led to like the domino effect of like other like meme symbols being like well, seen this as is, okay this is sign, my, milk. This like, is my other thing. You know, the Nazis, they love, they love symbols. They love them. They love Why would you give one to them for free? They already love, they love making them on their own. Um, they love building Like fashion. they just handed them Pepe on a silver platter because after that, um, there was this like liberal enforcement online by like people who are really not, were not like a part of those like cultures online that were using these images, um, like kind of policing the use of Pepe being like, hey, you shouldn't use this because it's an alt-right symbol. I and so then people going, oh, oh, I will not use it because I don't want people to think that I'm in the alt-right. And so then it became truthful like my, <laughs> that this was an alt-right symbol. I was I used a Pepe in like one of my family group chats and my sister texted me and she's like, you know, that's like really racist, right? And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's just Pepe. And I, like, at the time, I hadn't seen any of this stuff yet. So I was like, what are you talking about? It's just, like, the frog that I know and love. It's just my beloved little little frog man. 
And it turns out that like I was, so, and what she yeah, accused me of Nazi being complicit. Coded. Yeah, I was I was Nazi coded. I was I was complicit in Pepe's reign um, <laughs> upon. Yeah, well, because it was like liberals, online liberals who were not online enough to actually know the history of this image, but take. Um, reporting from outlets like the Daily Beast, like the New York Times, like the Atlantic, like the Washington Post as gospel because they have this reputation um, as being able to like properly check facts. Um, they then decided to associate Pepe with alt-right beliefs, which of mm-hmm. course led alt-right people online using it more to upset people using it as a symbol in this way and also like I mean, self-censorship have... by people that didn't want to be associated with that. Um, Wittgenstein became... says that a meaning of a word is its use. So that is, yeah. I mean, that is basically what Pepe the Frog became just like through people asserting that, like both people mm-hmm. on the right and then like people in like the liberal center all in agreement that this is a symbol of something, but it, the idea that that was like truthful really relies on a pretty like generous interpretation of the truth. And it was something that actually was made truthful through reporting in outlets that like claim to care about objective fact. I mean, in fact, it became so truthful that it started, we found these um, really funny excerpts from a literal FBI textbook on extremist groups and like recognizing right-wing language. And they're very funny. They have a, like uh, a section that's just about like learning their lingo. Um, and one of them is just like the F slur butterface. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what is like body butterface is ugly. Yeah. What is cuck? Um, what is um, red what is pill? Fire? What is based? Like what is top kecks? But I, I feel like I, I think about the Pepe thing a lot because I think it's a really good example of how, communities that don't have a voice for themselves within the establishment class which like as you might remember like the people who are in charge of like getting to assess whether things are factual or not through the IFCN are all like media professors media consultants so like people who don't have a voice within that class can be spoken for and spoken over to the point where a dominant narrative is created that is like impossible to refute because I you know it's how long has it been it's like six years since Pepe the Frog became a Nazi I don't think that there's any salvaging that and I mean this is like a it's a small thing it's just a frog but (laughs) I think it, it is it is a really good like microcosm of how like truth can be written over the like actual experiences of people that aren't able mm-hmm. to speak for themselves. And this is also how failure Lorenz approaches her reporting on the internet, but that's I mean, it's how um, she kind of launched her career in yeah, a sense. But if that's we, a, if, that's another episode, episode for, for another time. time. Yeah. <laughs> so we're on Snopes now, which is the funny part mm-hmm. of the episode um, cause Snopes has been exiled from the cabal oh. of fact checkers. Um, do you want to share with us a little yeah. bit about the history of Snopes? This was the greatest two weeks of my life. Um, barring my wedding, I thought it was the funniest thing in the face of the planet. Um, so 
they Snopes like build itself as the internet's definitive fact-checking site, which is true. It was for for a long time. It was a very popular website. It's a two-time Webby Award winner, uh, cited by the likes of like the New York Times and the Washington Post. It served um, as one of Facebook's fact-checking partners between December 2016 and February 2019. So like all of Trump's uh, term, uh, pretty much. Um, a BuzzFeed News investigation found that between 2015 and 2019, uh, Mickelson, who is the David Mickelson, who is the uh, head of uh, Snopes, uh, wrote and published dozens of articles containing material uh, plagiarized from news outlets such as The Guardian and LA and the LA Times. So, like, he didn't just steal from like bloggers, like small time guys who would like notice, like, hey, that's my stuff, and like have nothing to do for do about it. Like he stole from like the big, some of the biggest publications uh, in the U.S., which is I very funny. I respect that. I think yeah. like when when um, we start putting out merch, I'm planning on just using like Disney characters um, and and making them say <laughs> our our classic uh, catch lines, such as "My family owns at least three dressage horses." Um, but I'm going to have... Who's your favorite Disney princess? Do you have one? No. Yeah, okay, really. okay well, I'll I'll make one of them say it. I just, I needed okay. you to name one because I don't, I don't know I mean, which I one guess, is... Kendall. I don't have a favorite, but I'll, I'll name like one. That. I don't know, like Cinderella? Yeah, that could be you. That's one of them. Yeah, You've got, yeah, You've got an outfit. <laughs> Animals like you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I think a lot of the... Um, Info about Snopes came through this like BuzzFeed investigation, which we can mm-hmm. link in our description. Um, but BuzzFeed was doing inquiries about like the way that Snopes was plagiarizing things. And so Snopes conducted an internal review and confirmed that under a pseudonym, um, the Snopes byline, yeah. and under yeah. his own name, um, Mickelson wrote and published 54 articles with plagiarized yeah. material. And um, do we want to, do we want to talk about what a pseudonym was? Um, yeah. His, his alt, his alter. Um, yeah. Jeff Zeranandia, which is, is that like a reference to something? Is this like a, like a geek, like pop I, culture thing? I don't think so, but it sounds like he was almost trying to like, I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to like say this is what he was doing, but it seems like he was trying to sound like ethnically ambiguous. Like that's what mm. it sounds like to me. Sure. But yeah. I mean, I don't it does know. end in a vowel, so it could be Italian. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So the like bio that he came up with for Jeff um, is a pretty impressive one, which I think is a bold choice for a pseudonym because mm-hmm. um, some of the things that are claimed are things that, you can check pretty easily, such as uh, that he won a Pulitzer Prize. Um. <laughs> he, he is a, he's, he's skilled at uh, mule skinning, like mm-hmm. skinning mules. And, for and the- that bio like appeared in 23 different Snopes articles, at least, um, because this was like Trump era. So it was topics like Donald Trump's financial woes, false rumors about Hillary Clinton, Um, And he would, like, use this alt to, like, go after um, people that I think maybe he, like, didn't want their attention directly, like, 
aimed at him. So like he would use this uh, pseudonym to go after Roger Stone um, and and Paul Horner, and both of them um, were unaware of his true identity. Um, But then in November 2016, an article debunking unfounded claims that Barack the Rock Hussein Obama had overruled Trump's election victory and scheduled a revote. Um, and Zaran Nandia explained that there's like no truth to the story and added that the false claim had originated with a mal- malware site that used the illegally appropriated trademarks of legitimate news organizations in order to spread fake news on social media and generate advertising revenues. But once again, he didn't fucking cite his sources, so he didn't specify the name of this malware site in question. Um, And a search optimization tag at the bottom of the page suggests that he was referring to abcnews.com.co, which is a a site that it's by the, the Paul Horner person that we mentioned earlier that is intentionally like a hoax site. Like Mm -hmm. it's pretending to be it's like a parody site so it's supposed to be like um like the the intention there is not to tell truth it's to like trick readers and to like write funny stories and like for them to be clearly fabricated so it's pretty lazy fact checking to be like oh the Mm -hmm. satirist the the parody account like they're not they're not actually real like yeah and apparently at the time uh, Paul Horner was livid. He was so he was furious mm-hmm. that uh, he was cited on Snopes. Um, and in a Facebook post shortly before his death, um, he said he planned to sue uh, Zaran Nandia for claiming my website has malware, which of course it doesn't. So his big problem with it was that he was like, my my website does not have malware. My website is not full of viruses. I made a funny, funny website full of funny, funny lies, and I don't have viruses, uh, which I think is really fucking funny. Mm-hmm. Um, the other the other important thing that is revealed in like the Snopes plagiarism story is um how these sites do rely on advertiser revenue and clicks. Uh, being on the front page of Google to like continue running. Isn't um, it interesting how that isn't considered um, a form of bias? Yeah, advertising. You think mm-hmm. it would be? We're like like relying on would. advertising revenue and maybe like catering your content to what is going to be like more palatable to advertisers. Like mm-hmm. that's not um, a bias. Creating that you articles, to... yeah, that are that are literally sponsored posts yeah, that are advertisements just, um... for the product so you can you can cater to commercial interests and to advertisers you don't have to disclose that but if you Mm -hmm. do disclose hey i'm a socialist and then um have an article out um now it's it's not factual because the viewpoint has been acknowledged and you can be Um, fired you know like that's 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 the main thing um yeah so, so what's uh, the SEO secret? Yeah, he so uh, his big his big SEO secret, uh, Mickelson's big SEO the speed secret, um, said Binowski, uh, Binkowski, who Snopes fired without explanation in 2018. Uh, she currently manages uh, the fact checking site Truth or Fiction, which I don't know that much about, so I can't really say anything about it. Um, he would instruct us to copy texts from other sites, post them verbatim, 
so that it looked like we were uh, fast and we could scoop up traffic and then change the story in real time. I hated it and wouldn't tell any of the staff to do it, but he did it all the time. So then David David Nicholson apologized um, for plagiarism and um, he said, there is no excuse for my serious lapses in judgment. I'm sorry. And I would rate that um, below my favorite apology, which is Logan Paul's um, I had a serious <laughs> and continuous lapse in judgment from which I do not expect to be forgiven. Um, but we got to loop this back to Instagram because this all comes back to me being upset that we have been shadow banned. <laughs> on Instagram for spreading misinformation. Um, and I was really interested in learning, like, you know, like they are, there's, there's only like a, a couple hundred fact checkers and what they do mm-hmm. is like they check the facts of claims and then that's like fed into this, the, the like IFCN, like directory of like what is factual or not. And then that is what Instagram uses to analyze images and report on them as factual or not. So it's not like anyone is like manually reporting. Well, maybe someone is, but no one is manually reading any of our posts and then deciding that they're factual or not. It's like triggered based on something that was already determined through this fact-checking body. Once again, we've been talked by an almighty algorithm. Like once again. I want followers. I want likes. I want engagement. And like, they're taking that away from me and I will not stop until. Mm-hmm. <laughs> until we <laughs> until get banned I, for good. <laughs> right. So I was, yeah, I was interested, like what triggers the, Hey, this is a fact notification and what doesn't, I do not know enough about the technology to like, of like scanning images, but it, it does somehow. And it can tell when certain words are used and that triggers a fact disclaimer, but it's not, um, it's not perfect because I posted no. something to the Big Sway Naturals Instagram about how Joe Biden got, um, 21,000 Wisconsin's, Wisconsinians, with people of Wisconsin. I don't know what the word mm-hmm. is for that, but he got 21,000 of them to suck his dick. Um, and, and that's what I put on our Instagram, um, that, that, that happened on election day and it triggered a little notification saying, this is not true, which I mean, like, I guess like he probably didn't actually get 21,000 people from Wisconsin to suck his dick on election day, but but I feel like, I, yeah, we don't know. And also I feel like it's kind of, kind of obvious that that's a joke, um, but, I don't know. I mean, as the twenty-one thousand Wisconsinians that yeah. were there that day, there there could be some witnesses. I think it would kill him. I don't think that he can handle that at <laughs> a, this, at a this ra- point a in his swift, life. A swift spin of a razor scooter to the ankle would probably make him evaporate. So, yeah. Another time, I like made a meme about how praying is more effective than voting. And it got triggered with the fact disclaimer that that's not true. (laughs) See, Um, that's wrong. Like, you are right. (laughs) I mean, like, I feel like if you pray, um, you might feel, like, really good about yourself after. And it might, Mm -hmm. like, inspire you to accomplish what you you wanted to get done. Um, Or maybe, like, God will literally, um, like intervene 
divinely like we don't mm-hmm. know versus if you go to the voting booth you like might as well just throw away like six hours of your time it definitely I can does not attest accomplish to this. anything i can um, attest to this because although, the only time i voted was was a waste of my time so mm-hmm. although we learned we learned recently between the two of us that um it's illegal to arrest people in um like a voting booth for anything mm-hmm. that they do in the voting booth because yes. like being in there is like a it's a protected place um so we found this i found this out through a really funny like um i don't know like article about this young uh marijuana organizer from the 70s mm-hmm. who like went into the voting booth um during an election and then like just started smoking weed in there with with all the cops being able to like look inside and see what he's doing but they could not arrest him and he just finished his joint in there and then and then was like what um so i i would say that voting is is um worth it if you're planning on doing a crime in the booth but otherwise Mm -hmm. um i would pray but instagram says that it is not factual to say that praying is more effective than voting also anytime the word covid or vaccine or pandemic is used, like it triggers the whole fact-checking apparatus, I, like regardless of I the content think, of the message. I do think you forgot to mention that sometimes if we crop the image differently, um, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Then, then then the algorithm's little robot eyes can't notice that we're, we're publishing lies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's like, and you know what? This is all good. I We've already been shadow banned. I, I got nervous. Are we going to get shut down? for spreading misinformation i'm not gonna stop but like do i need to worry about this uh yeah yes instagram says when third-party fact checkers identify false information altered content or content with missing context on instagram we may make it harder to find by filtering it from explore and hashtags and reducing its visibility in feed and stories We also help people to decide for themselves what to read, trust, and share by giving them more information on posts with false information. I think that that's such a funny framing. We're helping people Mm -hmm. decide for themselves what to trust by telling them not to trust this. I think that actually we were shadow banned because I posted a meme about like um, Russian crackdown of protesters and like the commentary was like, this is like proof that they're not a democracy. And I added another image to it being like, damn, I remember getting oh, getting yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, suppressed yeah. at a protest in America. Um, and then the fact checking thing came up on that and was like, actually, um, this no, don't worry, don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> and I think Actually, shortly no. after that, we were shadow banned. So, mm-hmm. um, it, like, literally, this whole episode is is about how I want followers and clout, and I'm mad that we're not getting it. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, it's also like not only are they telling you not to what to not trust and read and share, they are literally hiding it from your from your eyeballs. Um, yeah. So they've they've told us directly that we are not to be trusted, and you know what? I kind of like that we're kind of on Instagram's watch list. I think yeah, we're on the edge. Fun. We've been yeah, we've been silenced. We've been canceled for truth. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, if you spread misleading information about topics like the election or vaccines, um, for example, but I mean also like just using the word vaccines um, or saying that. 21,000 people from Wisconsin 
um, sucked Joe Biden's mm-hmm. dick on election day. Like that counts as misleading information. See, um, see this is what I like about Tumblr is that there was like a time where everyone was saying Joe Biden kills dogs, like at least like okay, a dog killer does. and nobody, he does. And nobody like, no, no one from Tumblr staff was like, mm, actually that's wrong. And that's not a fact because they okay, know that but- their brand is uh, people who love telling lies. Kendall, first of all, you're spreading misinformation, and we'll get back to that in a second. But secondly, <laughs> would you would you agree that that you are the daughter of the dogs that Joe Biden couldn't kill? Yes, bark, bark, okay. woof, woof. <laughs> but no, I mean, um, I remember when Tumblr published a list of usernames that they claimed were like Russian chaos agents. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that came, that came from Tumblr staff, and I I always thought it was like like so iconic. Like I was upset that I didn't get flagged as a chaos agent, but I don't know what other form of social media would do that. That like they left up the blogs; they didn't even delete those yeah. people's accounts. They were just like these they were just like hey, are the people. Just, just, so, just you know, so you know, like we've identified the Russian chaos agents. Um, and we have not shadow names. banned them. And, like, we have not me, gotten rid of them. They're here. Let me look this up for a second. Let's see <laughs> Russian agents Tumblr because I just want to take a look at some of their usernames because I remember them being pretty funny. Yeah, Tumblr finally names the eighty-four accounts. Um, eighty-four is so small <laughs> that it says we're Russian trolls. Um, it's, it's yeah the 84 is like pretty small i feel like it's not worth like a major social media formats time to to name 84 bad accounts um but i'm just looking at this um and i'm seeing some names that i i like uh, one is Bastard good, pigeon good vibe freddy um <laughs> i have i have one eight hundred gloop here which i think is a really funny one um, i like noob with boob russian chaos agent noob with boob um <laughs> la gone girl i like uh, morning the only woods with a z the only normal person previously known as quality mentality heart um <laughs> uh, some some chicken with the with uh the eye taken out formerly known as blonde in politics mm-hmm. I, a black I community like... with a v classy lgbt homie how mm-hmm. you doing which i guess is a who... reference to wendy williams and politics blondie who can forget about infamous russian chaos agent and tumblr user cow's dick on fire <laughs> or how about um swag in the rain <laughs> so I otherwise known as cars with girls to close us out um kendall do you like believe in like objective truth like is there like an objective reality what do you think no oh i think and i have there no is. sources to back that up i think uh, that there is I, mean, I think it's the one that i Live in. I think well, I mean, like we're always right. That's true. You are yeah, correct. Yeah, I think my perspective is like objective fact. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that no one is outside of ideology except for me. Um, I can see things as they are. Um, everyone else sees things as they want them to be. Um, everyone else sees things like tinged, um, you know, by the, the rose-colored horse blinders of 
their own experiences and, and their own life and their own prejudices and struggles. But I, I just like see stuff and I'm like, Oh, mm-hmm. I get it. Um, yeah. and, and that, um, is, is the objective reality that I live in. And I'm willing to share that with our listeners. That's what this podcast is all about is, you know, just me like providing like objective truths. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is why people don't find me relatable. <laughs> it's true. Like, I am I known see as the, the relatable one. Really is. <laughs> yeah. I'm so tired of this. I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to take the Kendall Kins away from you. I just want mm-hmm. there to be more. The Kenny Kins. For some, for some people to say like, oh, Cerise, like you're so relatable. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm just like you, but everyone. If you, if you find like, re- I'm just Cerise like relatable, send us a DM, send us an yeah, email. I'd love uh, to subscribe know. to us on Patreon if you find Cerise re- relatable too, because uh, then mm-hmm. you give Cerise money. Um, yeah. So it's almost like. yourself relatable? Do you think do that I you find relatable me trait? relatable? Do you think yeah. that you've got like relatable traits? Like that's why people yeah. are like, oh, I'm Kendallkin. I think I'm relatable. I don't know. Like you how? Know. What do you do that I'm, people can I'm relate quirky to? I'm and I love to read. And <laughs> you don't even. I, don't. I mean, you do like to read. I but do. Like, this is this is a reference to one of the many many speeches that were made about Kendall at Kendall's wedding and all of them were like Kendall's parents and siblings going like one thing I know about Kendall Kendall she's eight years old loves to read um Kendall always has her nose in a book and I um I guess like if they didn't notice it then that they were aren't going to realize it now but I was wanting them to put together the pieces that like when you're a child a book is like a portable like escape tool um mm-hmm. so a child might not so much be like really into reading as they are into like imagining that they are not where they currently are <laughs> see but doesn't that make me relatable though that's relatable yeah that's relatable to to the to the neurodivergent bisexual femmes that are very much listening to our podcast and getting their feelings hurt putting a lot of words together that i don't like <laughs> I'm saying they're getting their feelings hurt. They listen to our mm-hmm. podcast and they don't like it. Like as a form of self-harm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think That's why they don't find the you podcast, as relatable. Cause <laughs> if you listen to the podcast as a form of self-care, maybe mm-hmm. you're maybe you're Cerise Kin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just it's fine. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I don't It's fine. Don't it's care. fine. You're fine. You're it's over it. You're fine. I literally don't care. <laughs> I don't care what people think of me. I don't care that people don't find my actions to be relatable. I don't care that people don't see a picture of me and go like, wow, like that's literally me. Um, it's fi- it's fine. And I don't, it doesn't affect me. I I'm surprised about it. I'm surprised you haven't called this anti-black yet. Because uh, oh, it is. It is anti-black. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why do people think that they're like a white person? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So really examine that, Pay Pigs and Prayer Warriors. And once you've examined it, send us a DM and Are tell us that Cerise is relatable. Are you afraid to be black? Is that what it is? <laughs> Am I? Yes, because I'm not. <laughs> I was talking to our listeners, but why are you okay. afraid? I'm not afraid. What's well, scary afraid about be- blackness to you? It's not that. It's that I, I don't want to be Rachel Dolezal. Mm-hmm. That's scary. Uh-huh. That's terrifying. I don't mm-hmm. like that. I don't want to be okay, that. That's just in. Kendall, 
afraid of blackness. And um, on that note, goodbye. <laughs> Hey pigs, goodbye, goodbye warriors. Um, make sure to follow us on social media. Like, please follow us on Instagram and send us money on Instagram. Because literally, this this was all because we were shadow banned. That's yeah. I was I was mm-hmm. upset. I can fill two hours with my spite. Um, <laughs> I'm commodify this on Twitter, and Kendall is she her she her zog. Goodbye. Goodbye. Good luck. Yo, South Pilly. It's lit in here. This song's called Joe Biden. I think you might know it. <laughs> Fucked her with no condom and I blasted on her tongue. Feeling super sleepy, faded off of Flintstones gummy. She gives me lots of kisses, but I'll never call her white. Like fuck her around and start to call her. Mommy, if she wipes me, if she sends me kissed backstage, then she's lying. Mask cover up my whole face, Joe Biden. If I saw Trump in the street, I might fight him. He may be a billionaire, but Joe is the diamond. At the house show, I'm in the Backyard blasting cigs. This CBD has me stuttering like Porky Pig. When you approach me at a show, approach with reverence. I got shit to do like getting pegged by a feminist. Secrets to pick up artistry embedded in my flow. Getting sucked in the Oval Office like I'm Diamond Joe. I got a vivid imagination. I never need no porno. Fuck delivery. I'm eating pussy like DiGiorno. If she says we kissed backstage, then she's lying. Mask cover up my whole face, Joe. Biden. Biden. If I saw Trump in the street, I might fight him. He may be a 